Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. This is BGN Radio. I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. With me as always is Brandon Lee Galton of bleedinggreennation.com. This is episode, what, BGN Radio what? 147, Jimmy. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? Jimmy, the Eagles don't deserve the yo. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> very disappointing. Just try, I'm just trying to make everyone feel good after the after the embarrassing loss on Sunday. That was for that was for the listeners, not for the Eagles. Okay, that's fair, and we'll get into it all very soon here on VGN Radio 147, brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Turkey, of course. And you can eat the same meat snacks that the Eagles do. You go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15 at checkout for 15% off orders. And and maybe the Eagles lost because they didn't have enough Righteous Felon Craft Turkey. Really, Jimmy, what are you opening there? <laughs> that was beer. What kind of beer? It's uh, Shock Top. Okay, no free ads. Uh, I know we just gave them a plug, but uh, not a sponsor. <laughs> well, you asked me. I mean, <laughs> I know, I know. It's my fault. One more quick thing, Jimmy. I wanted to plug. Obviously, the SB Nation NFL show. My my apologies. Go no, right. it's all right. I uh, I forgot to mention. Yeah, obviously, the SB Nation NFL show. Myself, uh, Rob Stats Guerrera. Uh, we call it the Oddcast. It's also called the Off Day Debrief. That's the official name. Go subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show feed. You can get shows from me there, from Michael Kist, a bunch of other quality SB Nation people. Uh, it's really good. It's going really good. The Monday Football Monday, fo- Monday Football Monday show is really good and fun. Uh, good way to recap the the most recent games. There's a Cowboys fan on there, RJ Ochoa um, from Blogging the Boys. Yeah, so I like, R- so, yeah. like RJ. Yeah, RJ's good. Uh, it's good to get his takes on things too. So so go check that all out. It's fun. Uh, but Jimmy, we have to get to the Eagles here, and uh, I want to start with Carson Wentz because <laughs> that is my biggest takeaway. Uh, how can it not be? After watching week one, that week one performance where, you know, the Eagles, they get up 17 to zero. It looks like things are going good. At one point, you tweet out that, like, why did I take Washington to cover? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, this team stinks. I think it was it said something like that. Yeah. But the Eagles were up and things were looking good. They were rolling. First two drives, they, you know, they score on the first drive, t- score a touchdown on the first drive. Second drive, they, they drive right down, uh, fall short, they kick a field goal. But I think what the... And then the fourth drive was a touchdown. So, yeah, I mean, they were, they were moving right along. So, to my surprise, like I thought they were going to come out of the gate uh, maybe a little bit slow, but they were the reverse of that. And then uh, it was really like the reverse of the, the Eagles football team game last year where mm-hmm. Washington jumped out to the 17 nothing lead and then the Eagles kind of came roaring back. I wouldn't say Washington came roaring back in this one. Uh, the Eagles kind of set them up to, uh, to, you know, Carson Wentz really kind of set them up to uh, sort of complete their comeback. But, yeah, I'm with you. Um, Wentz was bad. I think, like, the three, I guess, components that people have been blaming the most in this game have been Wentz, the offensive line, and Doug Peterson. Um, 
I don't really blame the offensive line so much because it was expected that they weren't going to play well. I mean, they're down three starters. Of course, they're not going to play well. Uh, but Carson Wentz, uh, you know, after that strong start, he really fell apart in that game. And uh, I think that, you know, Doug Peterson, I don't have a problem with you know, the aggressiveness so much. But the problem that I have with the game that he called was that he didn't, I guess, help out his offensive line as much as he should have, given that they were down three starters and clearly uh, struggling badly throughout that game. They really needed sort of, um, you know, ways to slow down that Washington pass rush. And they just he just kept sending Wentz back on these five and seven step drops. And, you know, we all saw what the result was. Yeah, I'm interested in blaming Carson Wentz the most for this loss. Like when people yes. start talking about the Doug Peterson fourth down decisions, like I don't that like, that doesn't do anything for me. Like I I don't think that's a long standing issue with the team either. Like Carson Wentz not looking good is a serious problem in the short term and the long term. And Jimmy, it was so frustrating to see there were plays on Sunday where the offensive line gave him time. Like, I went back and Yeah, watched. it wasn't as bad on the rewatch. It was, the offensive line wasn't as bad as I thought. Sorry to cut you off. But, like, during the game, like, my perception of what was going on, a bad view from the Washington press box, just so, just so like, I can explain that. But, like, uh, my, my perception of what was happening with the offensive line was, was, like, when you pick, when the defense picks the right play in Tech Mobile and, like, the defensive line just storms right through the offensive line, guys are, like, bouncing on their head and stuff like that. That was sort of, like, what my, how I envisioned that game. But on the rewatch, yeah, certainly they were bad. But they weren't as bad as like as bad as I thought they were, and they did give him time on plenty of throws. And he was just missing them, like yeah. he, clean pocket, like not, no kind of. There should be no reason why he's missing any. And really, by uh, Pro Football References charting, they they have an advanced uh, passing section on their website. And Carson Wentz had thirteen poor throws uh, deemed by them, and that was the most in the NFL in Week One. And when I watched every single drop back of his, like that, you know, matches what I saw. There were times where, you know, I, I can think of it was before the missed field goal, you know, the the where he got sacked and, you know, him playing terrible ball, play. Well, that's a whole nother issue. But like it didn't even need to get to that third down because he has Greg Ward uh, run a nice route and get open against Jimmy Moreland. And he throws like behind him and high and like Greg Ward can barely get one hand on it. And it's like, what are you doing? And that was a play after he had just missed Jalen Rager by throwing like behind him. It's it's like, what is going on here? Carson Wentz has had issues, we know, with accuracy. And and we talked about it, Jimmy, here. We talked about it on, on BGN Radio and training camp. I said that. Yeah, there like, there's so camp, many yeah. days where I was like, his accuracy is just not there. And it's not to say he's incapable of doing good things. Um, like there, there's good plays in there. We saw that in the first half. Like it, it's not all bad, but sometimes the inaccuracy is just, it's a huge issue. It was a really big issue last year as well. Um, like his expected completion percentage was like, I think below Mitchell Trubisky last year in 2019. It's just, it's a real issue. And it really kind of makes me wonder between that and the hero ball stuff, just not playing smart. It's like, this is year five. You know, you can't just chalk this up to being a young player anymore. And what makes me wonder about something we've talked about on the show here before where like, does and, and I saw you mention this on, on your column on Philly Voice too. It's like, who right now has the authority to tell Carson Wentz, like, you got to cut this crap out. <laughs> right. Because like, right. it seems like no one's doing that. It seems like no one is really getting in his ear and being like, stop doing this. And if you're like Dan Orlovsky, uh, you know, tweeted out that video. Uh, after Sunday's game, where Carson Wentz, you know, there's a screen, the screen blown pass, up. yeah, yeah, and it's like instead of just throwing it into the ground and eating the play, um, you know, at whoever's feet, 
Like he, he runs and it's a sack and it's a loss. And it could have been worse because it could have been hurt. It's the same kind of play that he got hurt in the playoffs last year when Jadavian Clowney dove into the back of his head. It's like it's like no one's fixing that. And it, it's so frustrating and it's really concerning because it's like, okay, are these just gonna be long-standing issues for the rest of the season? Jimmy, I want to ask you, what's your level of concern with Carson Wentz after this game? Let's go one to ten. Yeah, I don't want to overact too much to one game, but when it's the first game of the year, I think it adds, you know, a little bit of uh, concern to that. So I'm at, say, like a 6.5, which is pretty high, I think. I'm at a 7. Yeah, I mean, to to your point on the screen pass, like you watch any other NFL game and, you know, offense runs a screen and it's not there. Almost every time you'll see the quarterback just throw it into the dirt. Like near, you know, near who, uh, near who, like wh- wherever they intended to throw the screen to, they, Carson just. I mean, obviously, we saw in the Seahawks playoff game a year ago. That's the kind of play that I mean, he, he had. It was a screen. It wasn't there. He didn't throw it into the dirt. He tried to run with it. Got sacked. I think it was like a loss of one or two or something like that. And Clowney, you know, it was a cheap shot, but he got knocked out of the game on that play. And you mentioned the hero ball. Like that's more concerning for me. Because, I mean, like, well, I guess it's not more concerning than the inaccuracy, but the inaccuracy, like, he's not, like, he's not trying to be inaccurate, but with the hero ball, that's something that he can very easily control, and he's just not doing it. Like, he has, he now has 50 fumbles over his career. Mm-hmm. He led the league with 48 since, you know, 2016. He's got two more now. The first one was totally egregious. Like, uh, uh, Chase Young beats JP. With an inside spin, a little help from Corey Clement on the chip, and uh, you know Wentz ducks under him, uh, avoids that sack, and he's holding the ball with, with one hand as if like Chase Young isn't going to get back up and still try to <laughs> tackle him, and he knocks the ball out like easily. And again, same thing happened against the Seahawks last year, not in the playoff game, but in the regular season game. Like he avoided a sack, a guy like Dove missed his feet, uh, Wentz got out of the way, and then like he just stood there. With the ball, like, in one hand, like, down around his hip, and he's still looking down the field, Seahawks defender gets back up and knocks it out. Like, you, you understand that, like, if you, if you if a guy misses you and he goes to the ground, he doesn't just, like, go into the ground into, like, the center of the earth. And, Unless like, he's out of And, like, perish in a fire. Like, he's going to get back up and try to get you. So, like, his... He just he just is extremely careless with the ball, like, when, when he's in the pocket and when there's a lot of guys around him. And... You know, Doug was asked about it. I don't remember if it was right after the game or if it was the next day about, like, you know, you guys keep saying, like, we've been asking you about this for years, about, you know, him protecting the football. And Doug didn't have a good answer. He was basically just like, yeah, we got to keep teaching it. It's like, well, can somebody kick him in the ass already? Because, like, it's not getting fixed and he's not doing anything about it. Like, he continues to be careless. And the interceptions, by the way, like, he Carson even mentioned recently that – you know, he's he's only had seven interceptions in each of the last three years. So he has done a good job protecting the football in terms of not turning it over that way. Mm-hmm. But the two that he threw in this game, you know, one of the, the first one was really just a bad pass. Like, the, the decision wasn't great either. Like, that was covered. And, uh, the you know, the Washington player, was, it, was the first one Moreland who made the play? Moreau. You remember? That was Moreau. You're right. He made a nice break on that ball and uh, was able to pick it off. Didn't get a lot of help. From the, uh, I, I believe the first one was Rager. Yes. Uh, Rager maybe could have helped him out a little bit breaking that up. But, you know, I mean, it's just a bad, it was just a bad throw, like way too far to the inside. And I think Doug said like it slipped out of his hand or something like that. But I thought it was also an ill-advised pass. So if the bad decision-making, you know, 
extends from the fumbles into making ill-advised throws, then obviously that's really not good. So, I mean, he's re- he's really got to bounce back from this game and have just a, just a good game. And I'm sorry to keep rambling here, but you know, also on the hero ball, like last year, he drug, like he he dra- sorry dragged, like, drugged, dra- he drugged, <laughs> he drugged and dragged, uh, you know, practice squad guys to the playoffs over those last four games, and he had to be the hero in that situation. He doesn't have to do that now. He's got Deshaun. He's got an exciting young rookie in Rager. He's got Ertz and Goddard. At some point, maybe Miles Sanders will be back. So he's got help on this team as far as the skill position goes. Let those guys make some plays for you. Like, you don't have to do everything. Well, you mentioned late last year, Jimmy, and a big part of Carson Wentz's success late in the 2019 season was the Eagles were getting him on the move after yes. really not doing it so much earlier in the year. And you, you were kind of, you know, behind uh, inside baseball here. You were texting about it on Sunday, and you had said, like, I don't even remember Carson Wentz being on the move that much. So that prompted me to, like, go immediately look back at every drop back. And I didn't see him get on the move other than one time and, like, a designed play. There was another play where pressure came up from the middle, and it was a third down, and he rolled left, and he hit Greg, Greg Ward for a first down. Um, you know, clearly not a design play. but I, So really just one design play all game long where they had Carson Wentz on the move. Like, that's just not acceptable. It it really raises the question, like, okay, is Carson Wentz fully healthy? Is he fully right. over that, that groin tightness he said he had that caused him to miss, like, a week or so of training camp? And, uh, you know, we, we got to hear from Doug Peterson again today when we're recording this on Wednesday, September 16th, Jimmy. And, uh, you know, Elliot Shore Parks had asked, you know, is is, is Carson Wentz still feeling the effects <laughs> yeah. from the injury? Doug Peterson gave a one-word answer, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so then I followed up because I wanted to ask him the same question, but I also wanted to ask him, like, okay, if he's not hurt then, because, you know, that's what you expect him to say, then, like, what's the deal? Why yeah. was he not getting out of the pocket more than once? And Doug Peterson gave this total garbage nonsense answer to me uh, that something about how, like, you know, they didn't do a good job on first down. You want me to read thir- it? I can pull that up real quick. Read I have it in front of me. That. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. They have 13 snaps that are second and seven plus. Uh, so they didn't do a good job on first down. And he even said, like, you know, could I do that more? Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> he was like, maybe it would work. Maybe it didn't. Um, but it's it's just crazy to me, though. So even even if we apply that just nonsensical logic, well, then why can't you have him on the run on first down? And maybe if you did have him on the run on first down, you wouldn't be so crappy with your first down play calling like you were or, or first down effectiveness like you were in this game. So it's really just irresponsible to me. I, I think Carson deserves so much blame. I already said that earlier in the show. But, I mean, the coaching staff didn't exactly do him a lot of favors and, and, and really help him out uh, and anyway. So it's just it's, it was really just an offensive failure. I mean, Jimmy, this team, after one week, and it's one week, and I, we'll get into it a little bit. I have, I have hope that Carson Wentz will get better, and this team will rebound to some extent. But they're 32nd in DVOA after one week. Like, come on. That's pathetic. <laughs> oh, overall. I know they were for offense, but overall? Uh, they in were in third, offense. They were third 40, defense. T- 29th in 29th okay. in, um, overall. Overall. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, that says something when, they're, when you're 32nd. Uh, I'm sorry, when you're third in defense and you're still 29th overall. So they were like worst offense, probably by a huge margin, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean it's like them and the Browns who got blown out, but you know they're playing okay. the Ravens, so like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, and like not so like the other aspect to this team that that is worrisome is off the field. Like they looked horrible on the field, but off the field you got a lot of nonsense going on. You have Ertz and Howie, 
you know, reportedly getting into a heated exchange in front of teammates. other players. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I don't know like when that happened during the week. Uh, I think that was, that was Ian Rappaport, right? Who, who reported yeah. that he didn't give a time frame of one that actually happened. You know, you have Dillard gets hurt and you know, JP refuses to move from right guard to left tackle. I love the idea that like he did that quote unquote for the good of the team, like, which is nonsense. Like, and like, so I get like, he can roll out of bed, quote unquote, and, uh, you know, play left tackle or whatever. But you know what? Like, maybe the week that you played right guard, some of the younger guys could have gotten reps there. And maybe yeah, that would have helped out on, on week one. So, like, you know, that's a problem. You know, they're they're lying about injuries all throughout camp. You know, uh, you, know you have the McLean story with, with, uh, with Doug. We already knew, of course, that he wanted to keep Grow and Carson Walsh. And, uh, you know, a day later, they, they those guys get fired. So Doug clearly doesn't have a control over his staff. You have Deshaun quoting Hitler. You have Alshon <laughs> bashing Wentz two years in a row. They draft a quarterback in the second round when they when they just paid their quarterback $140 million or whatever it was. And then, you know, obviously the absurd injuries always leads to, you know, blame for the medical staff. Who knows what exactly is going on there or whatever. So you just have all this off-the-field stuff. It just feels like a really sort of cursed team right now. So I would say my season outlook for the Eagles really hasn't changed much, <laughs> which is... <laughs> What? Right. No, it's but, just funny. We named all this crazy stuff. And you're like, yeah, it still doesn't change much. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, I would say that's both good and bad. Good in that, <laughs> right. um, like, I don't think they're going to be this disaster team. I don't think that yet. I mean, obviously, after a game like that, you can see more of potential for that being there than you would have before. But I, I don't think that's my most likely outcome yet. Um, I still think the problem is they're kind of topping out at a nine seven team, which is what we kind of both had kind of been there around for this projection, the, pro- the projection of this team yeah. uh, last week and heading into this season. I, I just think they're this mediocre team. I think it, it, you can say it's just one game and it is. And we've seen and this team deserves some benefit of the doubt just because Doug Peterson has dug them out of holes before. And I don't think Carson Wentz is going to be that bad, you know, in every game like he, We've seen him play better. He's going to be better than that. I have confidence in those kind of things. And they'll get healthier. And like, and because Miles Sanders and Lane Johnson both might, be, and maybe even Derek Barnett, uh, all full participants in practice on Wednesday, they might, they might be back this week. So some things will get better. Um, I don't even know if you mentioned the injury things in your bad juju thing. But if, I if did. you didn't, okay. Because um, there was just so many things. But yeah, so uh, so that's the disappointing part, though. Is just like, I, I think what we saw against Washington raises real concerns about this team as any kind of like serious championship contender. I don't think they're any closer to like proving they're in that tier of a team. They're still in that tier of where they're around a nine and seven finish. And if that's where they're going to be, that's like, that is so frustrating to me, to me, Jimmy, I, I can't speak for everyone here, but I think it's the worst thing in sports when you're stuck as a mediocre team. It's better when you're like just flat out worse because you can then rebuild and kind of move on and know you need changes. If you're going to be nine and seven for three straight years, it's like, well, like, what are we doing here? You're just spinning. You're not going anywhere. You're just stuck in the middle. And I think that's kind of what the case might be for this team. And that's why I'm, I'm just like concerned really about the, the long term and the big picture. Yeah. I know that you liked uh, that Dan McQuaid piece from yes. uh, what's the Defector. Name of their, their Defector. Yeah. The, the old uh, Deadspin guys. Um, yeah, uh, Dan, I guess he kind of summed him up at, at the end as like the way that you put it, um, you know, when we, you know, talked off the air or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that the Eagles are like, you know, when you talk about a player who's yeah. you know, quote unquote, just a guy, the Eagles are sort of like just a team. Yes. 
they're just any other team right now. And I agree. Like they are just like so I guess the headline of that of that piece was that their Super Bowl is a fluke. And he didn't really write that so much in the piece. It yeah. was it was that was just in the headline. Um I reject that premise that they're a fluke because they were legitimately awesome that year. Yeah, that but, was the point. People were but, but yeah, yeah. I don't think that's where he was going with that. Um but, but like but very quickly after they did win the Super Bowl they they did kind of become a mediocre team over the next. I mean they they made the playoffs the next two years with uh you know nine and seven records. By the way, you know they're going to get in. Like I said, like I mentioned before, they're they're going to get in again as the seven seed. And the, and you know what's also going to happen this year? It's because you know the rest of the NFC is NFC East rather is is garbage. It's just going to be just like last year where they look horrible and then you know later that day Dallas plays loses and they just stay in it. They just hang around because they're it's the worst division in football. And I think it's going to be the worst division in football again this year. Jimmy, you know what isn't mediocre is Wright's Fallen Craft Jerky, the meat snacks that fuel your Philadelphia Eagles. And I promise you, people listening, there will be some more positivity after this break. <laughs> so don't turn it off yet. Uh, that's right, though, folks. Wright's Fallen Craft Jerky. I don't know why I said folks there. And snack steaks are served at the Eagles Novacare Complex Fueling Station where players get their pre- and post-workout protein fix. If it's good enough for the Eagles, it's got to be good enough for you, too. And again, maybe they're not eating enough. So uh, they should probably get some more. And you can get some more, of course, by going to RightToSellin.com and using discount code BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off. And there's no limit on how many times you can use that discount code. So do it and make like your favorite team and load up on the same meat snacks that the Philadelphia Eagles do. And, you know, obviously a great thing to be eating when you're watching the team from home because you have to because there's no one in the stands at Lincoln Financial Field this week for the home opener. So go do that. Jimmy. Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 147. We're going to get into the Eagles versus Rams game. We're kind of turning the page for the most part on the Eagles week one loss to a team without a name, the football team. Uh, Jimmy, uh, I guess we should start with kind of just the housekeeping stuff. You know, again, I mentioned that Derek Barnett, Lane Johnson, Miles Sanders, all full participation in practice on Wednesday. They look set to return. Javon Hargrave limited. I'm guessing he's not going to play this week, um, but maybe uh, maybe he has a chance and, and maybe for sure back by. They didn't put three. him on IR uh, to start the season, so they thought there was a chance that he could play in the first three weeks of the season. So uh, not a huge surprise that he's pra- he's limited, as you said, I think. Um, but yeah, not a huge surprise that he's, that he's now practicing. Jason Peters listed with a knee limited. I think he'll still play. Uh, Fletcher Cox. He played, he played every snap. There's a, there's a positive. I mean, he, was, he was bad, but he played every snap at least. <laughs> uh, it was his 18th game with 100% of the snaps <laughs> played out of his last 55. So there you go. Uh, Fletcher Cox uh, and Deshaun Jackson were both resting on Wednesday. The Deshaun thing is still weird to me. He did not look 100%, even though the, he said he's fine and the Eagles said he's fine. And that's a whole thing, Jimmy. The whole load management thing. like. Ah, he's your, also your best receiver. I you know, know what? I'm okay fresh. with that. Actually, I'm fine with it. Like if he if he if it keeps him if it keeps him healthier throughout the season, I think that's okay. I, I don't really have a problem. I mean, when they lose, then it looks bad. If they win, I think most people go, "Yeah, it's good that they that he didn't play as much as he didn't play every snap." It's a, it's a funny balance though, because it's like, okay, yes. I mean, you're saving him, but if the games don't matter that you're saving him for, then <laughs> what are you saving him for? Right, I get uh, it. Brandon Graham concussion. It's, he was out of practice, so it sounds like you know he's a chance to probably be cleared potentially. We'll see. 
how it goes by Sunday. And then Alshon Jeffrey, obviously not really expected to play till October. He'll probably be out again. So that's the injury stuff. And then obviously the roster stuff, uh, the Eagles um, added Sua Opeta from the practice squad to the roster. They signed him. And then they also signed, or yeah, Jamon Brown from the Bears practice squad. So they added two guards to the roster, which I think is interesting. And I want to get your sense on that, Jimmy, as far as what it means for Nate Herbig. In Doug's presser today, he made it very clear that if Lane couldn't go, then Jack Driscoll will start at right tackle. Yes. Like, left no doubt. Uh, at right guard, he did not do the same for Nate. He did say Herbig, you know, it's sort of his job to lose, but he didn't say Nate Herbig is the starting right guard. Javon Brown's funny because, like, every year he has actually started against the Eagles. The last three years he started the game against the Eagles with three different teams. Mm-hmm. So last year he was at the Falcons, started against the Eagles. 2018, the Giants, and 2017 was the game Carson Wentz towards ACL in Los Angeles against the Rams. Mm-hmm. Um, and every year, like, he makes my five matchups to watch. <laughs> That's a guy that, like, Fletcher Cox or whoever the other DT is. Uh, should take advantage of so you know he's just sort of like you know you're he's definitely like just a guy kind of offensive lineman obviously you know if he's on somebody's practice squad and he's not on 53-man roster with you know so many teams across the league desperately needing offensive line depth and you know he's not the best player but he does have experience 60 games played uh 47 starts and Eagles have nothing in the way of experience backups so uh I think you know he makes sense to bring him in Obviously, they didn't think enough of Cordy Glenn and his workout, mm-hmm. and because uh, he'd have been signed by now. Because you know it made sense for for them not to sign him prior to week one. Because then, uh, you know, if you sign him prior to week one, then his his uh, salary is guaranteed for the year. If you sign him after week one; it's not guaranteed. So I figured they'd sign him after week one, especially after the debacle that the offensive line had this week. But obviously, something did not go right. Whether it was his on field workout or they just didn't get a good sense of him. And his personality, but uh, obviously they haven't. Doesn't mean they won't sign him at some point, but they haven't signed him. And instead, they sign a guard where they already have a lot of bodies. Two guards, two guards. Yes, yeah. As you mentioned, promoted Opeta. So yeah, uh, interesting move that uh, they added two guards to to um, replace the two guys going on IR who were uh, Craig James and Vinny Curry. Vinny Curry looked bad going off the field. Did they show that on TV? Yeah, he was like kind of crawling off and he kind of looked like he was trying to like stand and get up and he couldn't. He looked in pain for sure. And Did they show did. him going to the locker room on TV? Uh, I don't know that I saw that as much, but I remember trainers running up to him when he was trying to like get off the field and they were like, stop, like stop moving, like just stay still. <laughs> right. Like that's, yeah. Uh, so yeah, he, that's he, he needed help getting off the field. Get in the cart. Like if he needs help, get, he's already on the sideline. Get the cart and get him, <laughs> like roll him in. Don't Well, the cart's injured too, the Jimmy. The cart probably has like a defective <laughs> wheel knowing the Eagles. But but don't worry, that cart's going to be back tomorrow. No questions asked. Um, <laughs> the cart's day to day. Uh, Aaron Donald, Jimmy, versus this offensive line is a nightmare. It's trouble. <laughs> yeah. uh, he has not had a single sack against the Eagles, so that could change. Oh, that now he's going to have eight on his yeah, own. That's going to happen. <laughs> uh, I want to use Aaron Donald to talk about Fletcher Cox for a second. Fletcher Cox, Jimmy, I think kind of like, I think he's dodged criticism that he probably deserves um, from abroad. Like, Fletcher Cox, not nearly like one of the biggest reasons the Eagles lost to Washington. But after the game, you know, I look at the box score and I get it. Fletcher Cox's impact goes beyond the box score. Right. But like 
two tackles, no other stats at all. And I'm like, this is the highest paid player on the team. This is the guy with the biggest cap hit on the team. And, <laughs> right. I, and then I was thinking to myself, when is the last time, because I honestly can't think of it, when like Fletcher Cox has outright taken over a game in an Eagles victory. Can you answer that question for me, Jimmy? He he was he took over the game a little bit in the in the playoff game last year. No, 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 no. As you mentioned, but as you mentioned, in a yeah. victory, yeah. Uh, and he was disappointing all year last year. You know, I, he had the injury and he didn't play at all in training camp. Probably dealt with the injury, the, you know, beginning part of the season. But if he doesn't like really produce as the season goes along. You know, it's not a guarantee that he's back on the roster in 2021, I don't think. Yeah, and, and I just wanted to – wow. So, first of all, wow, you're saying that. Um, <laughs> second of all – But, yeah, right? I mean, right? Yeah. If you, can, if you can shed that contract and they have, like, as bad of a contract or bad as a cap situation uh, as, as you know, most uh, – there's, mm-hmm. like, only a handful of teams that are that are troublesome caps – that are in a more troublesome cap situation than them in 2021. I mean, if, if he's not going to produce like you're paying them, then – I don't think it's out of the question. And but I just wanted to bring him up too and just the contrast to like if Aaron Donald is just like so clearly wrecking stuff. You know what I mean? Like yes. you're, you're not gonna Oh, there's miss not him. there's no comparison. You're not gonna miss him. Um and I think that's just an issue. Like the Eagles are kind of playing Fletcher Cox to be that kind of Aaron Donald impact player, and he just, you know, you, you just haven't seen that. Like he, he's just been way more invisible, which is just not it's not great. And uh you know, maybe that'll get better at, with Hargrave coming back at some point here. And Malik Jackson showed some good things in week one, so that's nice to see. But, man, like we said in the offseason, like, they're paying so much money to this defensive tackle position. Like, like crazy, like three top 15 contracts. Like, they, they are three top 20, whatever you want to use, um, depending the, like, interior three, four, three, four, three. Um, but, yeah, so I wanted to bring that up. The offensive line should be getting better because it sounds like Lane Johnson is going to play. He again, he was full on Wednesday. He had told Derek Gunn on Derek Gunn's new podcast that he's definitely he's a full participant play. on Wednesday. He's going to play. Yeah, so uh, so that's good to see, and that's that's huge. Getting Lane back is huge. We all know the splits like with with and without him. Like the Eagles are like six and twelve without him, and I forget the exact number with him, but they're they're a lot much better with him in the lineup. Um, even though Jack Jack Driscoll, I thought did some nice things in his debut. He's just not Lane Johnson. And uh, and having him back um, is not going to, like, <laughs> eliminate Aaron Donald for sure. Um, but it obviously uh, increases the offensive line. Anything else on the Rams defense yeah, that well, stick may- out maybe, to you? Well, maybe Driscoll moves to right guard. Because, like, yeah. so So maybe that's maybe that's what sort of – like, Driscoll's definitely starting if he's, if he's if Lane doesn't go right, right, right tackle or whatever. But if Lane goes, then it would make sense for – because Driscoll has guard experience. He played left guard at UMass – before he transferred to Auburn where he played right tackle. So he can play both spots. He played both spots in training camp, and I think he would be better than uh, Herbig was on, on Sunday. Anything else pop out from the Rams defense? Obviously, you know, Jalen Ramsey is Jalen Ramsey's awesome. Um, you know, uh, I think some of their guys made some nice plays uh, against Dallas. Uh, week one, they did a nice job on their receivers, I thought, for the most part. Uh, that They did a decent enough job. I mean, the one run that Zeke had like four guys – and they all just kind of <laughs> overran the play. I don't think Zeke did anything particularly special in that play, but they didn't look great there. But uh, yeah, I thought their defense was was reasonably good enough. No, no, nothing really stands out though from them aside from Ramsey and Donald. Right. It's not like some kind of lockdown unit that is unsolvable. Um, so uh, Eagles getting you know Lane Johnson back, Miles Sanders back, also kind of a big deal. I mean, obviously, just not just not 
only because of what he brings in the running game, which the Eagles just could not get going against Washington at all and hurt. And as a pass catcher, we obviously know he's dynamic in that regard too. But uh, as a pass blocker, too, pass you know, someone yep. who can help out and pass because that was huge. You had Boston Scott totally blow uh, that protection, I believe, on that sack that Carson Wentz took that before the field goal. Like he was, he was counting on Boston Scott to pick up the the blitzer, John Bostic, yep. that came in, and Boston Scott was just leaking out to the left for no apparent reason. So, uh, so he I had two, say, he had two plays actually, two sa- two different sacks where he was partly, at least partly culpable. The, the mm-hmm. one that he was clearly culpable, like Doug even blamed him for it. The the Bostic example that you just gave. And there's another one where uh, they had, I, I mean, I don't understand the point of this in, in that situation anyway, where they have uh, Sayamalo pulling over from left guard to block Ryan Kerrigan, mm. uh, who's coming off the right side of the Eagles line. And uh, Boston Scott was supposed to be over there double teaming uh, with Sayamalo on, on Kerrigan. And neither of them did a really good job, but Scott especially did not do a good job on that play. So I would at least give him a half sack on that one. Boston Scott gave up the sack and a half. Like bad job by by me, by the way. I didn't even I didn't even think about the pass pro aspect when Miles was ruled out on Saturday, the day before the game. Like I wasn't even that's not where my head was. But uh, for sure, um, he's the best running back they have in pass protection, and they missed him in that area. Like maybe that maybe those two plays are different if he's in the game then. Yeah, so I think we should easily expect the offense to improve. You know, with Sanders coming back, with Lane coming back, there's that's some reason for optimism. Flipping it around to the other side of the ball, Jimmy, if there is one word to use to describe Jared Goff, what would you use? I have mine. You probably know what it is. It's on the prep sheet. <laughs> yeah, I, saw, I see yours right in front. Uh, I can't think of it. Now that that word is in front of my face, yeah. like, I can't think of it. It's too perfect, right? Just go ahead. Yeah, it is good. It is, the word is milk toast. Yes. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I would agree. It really is. Like, he's just so uninspiring. Um, I, I said last week there was this stat, like, his pass rating through the last 24 games. Well, now it's up to 25 games, and it's an 83.4 passer rating. So I thought he was okay on Sunday against Dallas, actually. He was toast, you could say. Yeah, he, was, like, he oh, didn't stand okay. out. But, yeah, he was fine. I thought he was fine. I am just not scared of Jared Goff. Uh, obviously he can do some things when the protection is there. He kind of, you know, that's, that's what he's at his highest success when everything is going well for him, you know, and he's running the offense and he can look good. And I think his accuracy can be really good sometimes when he does have that time to throw. He can, he can, he can drop some dimes uh, if you will. Um, yeah. So Rams offense, uh, what else do you have from them? Well, the Rams offense, the the new annoying thing for them this year. So the, the annoying thing for them in previous years was, Oh, they get, they get up to the line of scrimmage so fast. <laughs> and Sean McVay is talking to Goff. Oh, Lordy, he's talking to him in the, in the headset. Uh, Goff can hear him in the helmet. He's telling him he's telling him what the defense is trying to do. It's amazing. And did you know that that, that that play clock, when it gets to 15, you can't hear your coach anymore. So at that point, Goff is on his own. But man, boy, howdy, before they turn off that microphone... Boy, is McVay really getting in his ear and telling him all the good stuff to do. So that was like the annoying thing with that team like a couple years ago. Now the new annoying thing for them, go like this year, and it's already started big time. And it's just going to continue is every play looks the same. When they have a running play, everyone's in, like you, you, you look at this run play and you, you match it up with this play action pass and everyone's doing the same thing on each play. So you really have to, you know, you don't know what's coming when you're the opposing defense. There's a ton of that going on. <laughs> like Schwartz even said it today. <coughs> Excuse me. 
They said it during the uh, Rams Cowboys uh, telecast uh, repeatedly. Uh, I saw a bunch of things on because because they said it on the telecast repeatedly. There's a ton of things on Twitter today, like uh, you know, showing how this run play looks like this pass play. Um, you know, this well, it's just it, that, that, that's just going to be the annoying thing about them. I guess they do a good job of disguising what they're going to do from play to play, and that's certainly you know what you want to do if you're an offense. But it's really, they're not reinventing the wheel on that. That's not anything new in the NFL. Uh, maybe they do it a little bit better than some teams out there. But uh, that that is the new annoying Rams-McVay thing. Jimmy, prepare to be amazed. <laughs> Here, okay. take a, just take a second. Listen to what I'm <laughs> about right. to say. Derek Barnett, Javon Hargrave, or Malik Jackson, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Nate Gary, TJ Edwards, Duke Riley, Avante Maddox, Ronnie McLeod, <laughs> Jalen Mills, Darius Slay, Craven LeBlanc. If you want to throw him in there. It took me a minute to understand what you were doing there. Do you know what I'm doing here? I can name every single player starting for the Eagles defense. I hope everyone clips this and like tweets this out and says, wow, this this podcast guy, Brandon Lee Gowden, he's amazing. He can name every single player in the defense. He must be yeah. the best head coach in the NFL. Remember when people did that with Sean McVay? So amazing. Ridiculous. I amazing. It's literally his job to know every player on the defense. Who do you do it with the Bears? Yeah. And I think when I think like when he like he would say like a little bit about each player like he'd be like oh Khalil Mack great pass rusher they move him around <laughs> and then and like that'd be it like and then he move on to the next player yeah and the Bears had a good defense too it's not even like yeah, they had a bunch right. of nobody it's like right. they're recognizable players on that defense anyway uh, I wanted to bring up Sean McVay because if you're looking for another reason for positivity Eagles hands it's that Doug Peterson and Jim Schwartz have out coached Sean McVay who gets all the hype twice. And obviously, he isn't that good, McVay, uh, as the hype makes him out to be a lot anyway. So I think that's another point of confidence going into this game. Is like the Eagles can figure something out to uh, stop Boy Wonder, the uh, the the uns, you know, whatever you want to call him. Uh, like he, he's yeah, just no, so... I have nothing against him, by the way. It's not his fault that like people talk about him that way. Like, yeah. like, like it's not his fault, really, but he's become an easy target for people like me and you. Like, it's sick of like over all the like crazy you know, over complimentary stuff. Anything else to me on the Rams? Like they ran the ball a lot. Week one, they, they ran it 40 times. I think it was. And I think Goff only attempted 31 or 32 passes or something like that. And it's not like they were like ripping it up with the run game against Dallas, but they just stay on schedule. Like that, that, uh, actually that Malcolm Brown, I like him. He, uh, he runs mm-hmm. hard. He's not going to like break off any, you know, long runs or anything like that, but he's physical player. You know, after a while, you know, dealing with him, you know, say 5'11", 225, 230, something like that. So, uh, you know, tackling him isn't fun when he gets a, sort of ahead of steam. You know, he and uh, Cam Akers, who they drafted out of Florida State, I believe in the second round. Um, Akers didn't do much in that game, but they did run it a lot. I think Brown got 18 carries. Akers got 14. So they do like to run it. And I know that, like, Jim Schwartz always in the past was like, you got to stop the run first. And I don't agree with that most of the time but i think in this case goff really benefits a lot when um you know they get their run game going because he is good at play action and uh you know schwartz noted that he's you know good when he gets outside the pocket and he's on the run he can throw on the run and stuff like that Hmm. so uh, i do i do buy that um so i would say that you know robert woods is a really good receiver and cooper cup is like one of the best slot receivers in the nfl so surely you gotta you know account for those guys but I do think that it makes sense to make sure that you stop the run in this game. By the way, do you think Slay follows either of those guys? And if so, which one? Maybe Woods. 
because I what think the, too. yeah, I mean, uh, he looks pretty good, and they kind of move him around. Um, All the other Eagles corners are slide corners, so it makes sense for those guys to match up against Cup. <laughs> yeah, and, and Slay looked good, uh, of course, in week one. He had a good game. Um, so, yeah, the, if we're looking for positives, or are we going to do that after the uh, break here? Uh, we can get into that more after the break now that you teased it. Why don't you <laughs> tell us more about Christian Roach from Roach Realtors, Jimmy? If you use any other realtor, you're letting the terrorists win is really all I can say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So if you're looking to buy or sell a house, make sure you call or text Kristen Roach, 856 906 9295. Again, 856 906 9295. Brandon? My mom, Jimmy, before I throw it to break, uh, wanted me to ask you, like, uh, you know, for the sake of Kristen Roach and Roach Realtors, like, can she also help out with, like, renting things too? Of course. Or? Yeah, okay. of course. Well, there yeah. you go. So, back after this. Back here for our final segment of BGN Radio, we're going to get into some reasons for Eagles optimism, Jimmy, within the Eagles pick, which we will make at the end of this segment, but just wanted to reset things here and let people know that I am one and two after week one in our pace against the spread. Jimmy, you're two and one because... Boom! Five uh, and one on the week on my site. Boom. Yeah, we we differed there on the the Eagles game, and if the Eagles had not blown the lead, you know, it would have been me two and one, Uh, but they did not reward my faith. Jimmy, we're going to start it off this week with the same team that beat the Eagles in week one, football team are 6.5 underdogs at the Cardinals, who I was very bullish on heading into the season and beat the 49ers in week one. Who you got in that one? Yeah, uh, I guess the odds makers were not super convinced uh, by the football team's week one performance. I guess they were a little bit. Like, would this spread be higher, I guess? Of course it would be higher if they mm-hmm. uh, if they lost. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was, I don't want to call it a fluky win, but I think that they uh, certainly were at a... They, they, they got the right opponent week one. Like, it was a good matchup for them with their really ridiculously good uh, defensive line against the Eagles banged up and, and zero continuity uh, offensive line. They got another opponent. I think they're looking at, you know, 0-1 right now because, <laughs> they you know, parts of that game, they really did not look good. Their offense did not impress me in any way whatsoever. So, uh, yeah, I like the Cardinals too this year. I will lay the 6.5. Mm. Take the Cardinals here. I like the Cardinals. I think Kyler Murray is for real. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. How about that, Jimmy? Who would have thought that such a player could really for like help 150 out? something? I think he was. Yeah, uh, just a beast and a sure answer. You know, not a projection, like a sure right. fire answer at wide receiver, which the Eagles still do not have. Huh? What a thought. <laughs> Football team. I mean, I just do not buy Dwayne Haskins at all. I said it heading into Week One. Obviously. You know, Washington beat the Eagles, but he couldn't lead the team, their team to any points when he wasn't starting out in their own territory. You know, right. all those points came in when they were starting on short fields. I don't think, you know, it's not, it's not a recipe for success. I think Washington football team has a chance to win more weeks than probably maybe. I, I mean, that defensive line is going to give them a chance is what I'm saying. It's really good. Uh, but I still think the Cardinals are going to win and I will take them and I will take them to cover 6.5 Giants. The New York football giants, the Washington football team, the New York football giants, something going on there in the NFCs at the Bears, Jimmy. Uh, the Bears are five and a half point favorites. I want to start out on this one and say that, look, first of all, it's embarrassing if you're Matt Patricia because Mitchell Trubisky owns you. He has 12 <laughs> touchdowns and one interception against you in, in your career, Matty, yeah. Matty P. Uh, I like, I, I look at this line. I'm like, how could you possibly take the Bears? I mean, Trubisky's still bad. Like, I know the Giants aren't good either, Jimmy, but, like, I think Daniel Jones can do some things, 
And Saquon's obviously going to have a better game than he did in week one against that Pittsburgh defense. He would have 14 rushes for seven yards or something like that. Yeah. So I, I don't think the Giants are going to win this game because they're still bad. But like five and a half points is a lot to ask for Mitchell Trubisky to kind of, you know, win comfortably. Yeah. So I don't I don't mean to get off topic here, but you mentioned Matt, Matt Patricia. Did you see his quote? About Malcolm Butler. Yeah. I talked about this with uh, stats <laughs> on the podcast. It's so <laughs> <Did> ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So the Lions have blown, uh, I think it's 10 fourth quarter leads. Uh, in the Matt Patricia era, and actually eleven if you count um, the the game they tied against the Cardinals Week One last year, mm-hmm. and somebody asked him, you know, if if there was anything about his coaching that uh, <laughs> that's to blame for those you know those blown leads, and he's like, well, I think uh, I think I remember in the Super Bowl. You know, I have the biggest play of all of, of all time with Malcolm Butler's. I mean, he took he took credit for Malcolm Butler's interception. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? So, uh, yeah, he's a loser, and uh, <laughs> I give him like a five percent chance of keeping his job after this season. Hmm. Um, anyway, Bears Giants Giants uh, Giants game Monday night. You know, they kind of hung around there for a little bit against the Steelers, but on their opening drive, they get down to. Like the 40, it was 40 something, like 41, 42 yard line of the Steelers, something like that. Was it a fourth and one? Was it? I think it was a fourth and one. They got into the Steelers 40 something yard, like fourth and one. They were like moving the ball confidently. And then they try to draw the Steelers offside and wind up taking like a delay game penalty, but like a, you know, an on purpose delay of game penalty. And they punt. So they're already cowards. Guy muffs the punt. And uh, they have the ball inside the Steelers five. I think I think they got it the Steelers three. They couldn't punch it in on the first three downs, and they have you know fourth and goal from I think like the two, and they kick a field goal. So I'm like, well, they're done. Like <laughs> this game is over. Like I don't think they might hang around for a little while, and they did, but it was only a matter of time before the Steelers kind of got their sea legs and pulled away. And that's exactly what happened. They also are losers, and I will lay the five and five five and a half. And uh, I don't care if it's Mr. Drubisky or whoever. Giants are losers. Give me Bears minus five and a half. Falcons at the Cowboys. Cowboys are four and a half point favorites. The Falcons, Jimmy, are just a really despicable franchise. If you're a Falcon, <laughs> just from the standpoint of like, why? what are they doing? Like Dan Quinn is still here after like every year they start slow and like he, he brings them out of a hole, but really not actually good enough to do anything. Just like enough to save his job, basically. Um, they're, so they're almost like in, in this, you know, this terrible mediocre zone that you don't want to be. And why yeah. is Dirk Cutter still there? Why does Dirk Cutter have a job? Like Dirk Cutter has been demonstrably <laughs> right. bad at like coordinating offense with uh, the he's Bucks. Running, he's running the offense too because that's a defensive head coach. Yeah, so it, it's just a joke. Like I have the Falcons are terrible. They stink. Now you know the, the forty are the Seahawks. You know, laid a beat down on them in Week One, and part of that is Russell Wilson is amazing, and they're finally letting him cook, and that's a really big problem for the whole rest of the NFL. Yeah, uh, that's that's a story for another time. Yeah, I so I, I have the Cowboys. The Cowboys would like be my they're they're my pick. I do uh, like we do take it to the bank kind of like uh, Survivor League picks on the Oddcast uh, each week, and both naturally we both got eliminated in Week One because uh, I picked the Eagles and stats picked the, the Bears or, or the Lions rather, and it didn't go well so so well for us. But I have the Cowboys this week. I think they're a lock in this game against the Falcons. If Falcons had three guys over 100 yards receiving in that game. Julio and it didn't and matter. <laughs> Julio, uh, Ridley, and Justin Russell Gage. Gage. Is that his name? Russell Gage. Was there a Justin Gage? There was a Justin Gage back in Nicholas the day, right? Nicholas Gage you're thinking of. No, I think there was a Justin Gage back in the day. Titans? I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? Um, 
But yeah, Matt Ryan threw for like 450 yards. Doesn't matter. <laughs> they, they got smoked anyway. Uh, yeah, give me the Cowboys. They're going to pass all over that this atrocious um, Falcons defense. Uh, I'll take the Cowboys minus four and a half. I like actually taking the points more than I like laying mm. the points. Uh, but I'm now laying the points on all three of these games so far. The Eagles opened as two and a half point favorites. Against... Shocking to me. Yeah, it is. It's like, what <laughs> did they? And totally unsurprising that it moved immediately. And right now, uh, it was at one and a half, but I saw it when I checked most recently. It was only with the Rams as one point favorites. Okay. Do you want to start us off, Jimmy? I, you know, I actually like the 1.5 significantly better than the one. Mm. <laughs> you do get a lot of one score games. Man, it's a tough... It's a tough one to call because I don't know how much you really look at week one and say that's who they are because they are getting some guys back. At the same time, a lot of the issues that they had week one are in a decent chance that they're going to reemerge week two. Rams looked better than I thought they were going to look week one. Um, maybe that's a, maybe that's sort of a symptom of uh, you know the Cowboys being sort of this overrated team. Maybe that's just who they are. So I don't know. Um, I kind of feel like the Eagles are going to bounce back in this one. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm certainly going to take. I'll take. I would take the the one one and a half all day. I'll probably take the one. It's a toss up for me who's going to win this game, but uh, I do think the Eagles respond well at times to adversity, mm-hmm. um, and I think they're going to come out and uh, I think they win this game because I think they're going to have confidence against this Rams team, which, as you mentioned, uh, the Eagles have out coached them twice now. And uh, it's it seems to be a team that they get up for for yes. some. I, so I don't know if that'll change with the Rams sort of having an off year last year. But uh, I do I do like the Eagles to come out and uh, and rebound from Week One and win this game. Yeah, I feel the same way, and it's weird because like you know right after the game on Monday, you know I was not feeling very good at all, and it was kind of a, a quick switch for me it was kind of just thinking about like okay you know you're getting lean johnson and miles sanders back and that's really big and possibly Derek barnett too it's that doug peterson has been able to dig this team out of holes before now again it's always frustrating that he also has them in holes and that's an issue (laughs) but but like when this team faces adversity we've seen them be able to respond so you can point to that carson wentz for as much as you know, I, I have this concern level with him, as I said at the top of the show, and I, I very much do. Like he's, I, I just know he's not going to be as bad, or it's, it's hard for me to believe he's going to be as bad as he was in week one. I don't think. I think that was, team, his, was that his worst. Do you think that was his worst game ever? I mean, I feel like we've been saying that more often than not recently, <laughs> which is not a very good sign. Um, well, last year, what was his worst game? Was it uh, the the Seattle regular season game, or or no? Was it the Patriots game? There were some ugly ones in there, yeah. I think the Seahawks one was probably the worst. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, the the regular season, of course. Um, yeah, but I think so, I think I think Week One was worse than anything that he did last year. Yeah, when you factor in quality of the opponent, I mean, I know Washington's defensive front is strong, but like Ruben Frank put it really well. Like, if you're an elite quarterback, you just don't lose that game. You just don't. Like when you're up seventeen to zero, especially after the lead. Yeah, yeah. yeah against a Washington football team that was three and thirteen last year, like. It, no excuses. Get it done. Like, just get it done. Like, you don't have to blow him out even. But, like, find a way to win. And he didn't. And, you know, maybe that's reductive. But I, I just saw, getting back onto the positive side, you know, there were positives from week one. Like, Josh Sweat really played well. He flashed. Um, I, I think the defense, I, I really buy this defense. I was on a podcast with my good friend and former BGN Radio member, James Seltzer. And uh, uh, it was on Brendan Ekstrom's podcast, a big BGN Radio listener. He's in a, he's a guitarist for Circus Survive. 
uh, band from Doylestown. I'm just name dropping here. But I was I was on with those guys, and I was like, I think the Eagles have the potential to be a top five defense. And I still kind of feel that way. And hey, I'm not crazy because I saw them fourth in DVOA uh, defensively. You said third. Uh, either way, you know, really good defense. I think just like Slay I, I think a they're, good game. Yeah, slayed a good game. I think they're going to be able to keep this Rams offense in check. Like I'm not worried about them going off, especially I'm I'm never been a Jared Goff guy. So why am I going to believe in him all of a sudden? And same thing with Sean McVay, really. So why am I going to take them to beat the Eagles? I think the problem for me, Jimmy, is like I think the Eagles are going to win this game. People are going to be like, oh, everything's fixed. See, week one was a fluke. And I think that would be an, an overreaction <laughs> the other way. And like, yeah, then no. they'll lose to the Bengals week three. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we'll see about that. But yeah, I I don't think them winning this game fixes everything and proves that week one is a fluke. Like that's that's my take on it right now. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but I do think they will win this game because I think, like I said, I think they're a nine and seven team, so they're going to have to find nine wins here, and I think one of them will be this week. So I like the points here. Like the, the, they're the home underdogs. The Eagles do well as a home underdogs as we've seen in the past. So I'm going to take the points and just the Eagles outright to win this game. I like that you that you predict the game, and then you also predict the, the takes that people are going to have <laughs> if your prediction goes correctly. Well, it's so true, though. I, I get to see people being like, oh, see, week one was nothing to worry about. No, it is It is something to worry about. <laughs> right. Anything else? Any final thoughts? Okay, you asked me. Um, You know, just check out the Oddcast again. It's the SB Nation NFL show. Subscribe, download, rate, review. Appreciate all the reviews that have come in on that and so far. Really cool to see. Uh, a lot of Eagles fans represented in there. And again, RJ Ochoa, Cowboys fan, who hosts another show on the network, also took note of that and seemed kind of a little jealous. So uh, if you really want to piss the Cowboys fan off, go ahead and leave us a rating and review there. And obviously here, too, on BGN Radio. And I'm just kidding. RJ, of course, is a very good guy and wants to see everyone do well. Um, but screw the Cowboys. So hope, I hope they lose. Uh, just had to balance it out there. Uh, obviously, check out Right to Sell on Craft Turkey by going to rightsofselling.com. And, uh, you know, going to check out and using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. And, uh, you know, just a shout out to all the new listeners that might be listening. Hope you're having fun uh, with BGN Radio, with, with all the shows we have on the network here. Babes on Broad doing good work. Kisten Solak, uh, Seamus, John Stolnes, a lot of a lot of talent here on BGN Radio. So check out all the shows. What about you, Jimmy? Yeah, I'm fixing to cook up this beer can chicken on my Weber Smoky Mountain. Awesome. That's it. Well, then we'll be back here next week after what we think is going to be an Eagles win, but we'll see. So until next time. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.